Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 79, Wrestling with Mental Toughness. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us, from the Power of Change Worldwide Shedquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Well, guys, over the last couple of months, we've had to pivot a little bit here on the podcast and talk a little bit about coronavirus and thriving during quarantine. And so we tried to serve all you guys out there with a little help, right? We listened in on how kids are dealing with this time. I had my teenagers on. My my oldest, a senior in high school, was kind of mourning the loss of all the kid things that you get lost in this shuffle of things. And so, and then we went into talking about, hey, how do I thrive during quarantine? Spiritually, intellectually, physically, we even had uh, a wrestling strength coach on and a former NFL player to talk about our keeping our bodies right as we kind of go through this season where you can't go to the gym, so to speak. But after the onset of this thing in March, I tweeted something out just reflecting on aspects of our culture that I kind of thought need to either reemerge or emerge or be strengthened. And so that tweet kind of read like this, seven things that need to make a comeback in our society. And these were mental toughness, marriage and kids, manufacturing, right? We don't make nothing anymore. Civility and kindness, the way we deal with each other, certainly helping local stuff like local neighbors. What's that mean? Courage and strength in life. And then finally, faith, hope, and love. Now, someone replied to me that, hey, that's more than seven things because I coupled and tripled a few things together. But hey, that's my prerogative. So you can leave that alone. But the first one, Mental toughness. I thought it would be great to have on as guests here at the underground some people that I consider more experts in the field of toughness, mental toughness, and that would be college wrestling coaches. So now if you're listening today and you're thinking, well, I'm not a sports person. This is going to be another sportsy episode. Don't don't turn this off because you're going to want to stick with this one because what we're discussing today is indispensable for life and literally every human endeavor. So it's my pleasure today to introduce to you my guest live in the shed quarters, properly socially distanced. I think I'm six foot from Jared. I'm definitely six foot from coach Tony Roby, two gentlemen that have been in the NCAA finals as collegiate wrestlers and right now serve as coaches for now the regular top 10 wrestling powerhouse, the Virginia tech Hokies guys. Welcome to the shed quarters today. Appreciate you having us on, Reed. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, coach Tony Roby, he's the head coach uh, of the Virginia Tech Hokies. He's been the head coach for three years now, is that right? Or? Yes, just completed my third season. Okay. Uh, 11 years prior, uh, an assistant coach, associate head coach. He's coached multiple All-Americans, the first national champion that I see around town every now and then, Makai Lewis, 165-pound national champion. And as a competitor – uh, beat some of my teammates in college, but also a two-time All-American NCAA finalist for Edinburgh University. The Fighting Scots, is that right? Correct. Career record, 126 and 23. That's pretty good, Jared. Um, Tony, that's the back of the baseball card, but tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a wrestling coach, but where, where'd you grow up? Family, wife, kids? Just give us some, uh, give us some rundown. Yeah, I was uh, I was born and raised in Erie, Pennsylvania. So um, if you know anything about Erie, Pennsylvania, it, it's certainly a place that I think breeds mental toughness uh, for a variety of reasons. Like Erie Canal, Coal Town kind of stuff. Yeah, there. yeah, old Industrial. steel town. Yeah. You know, uh, just you know, weather is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> um, you know, really, really urban, but but you know, economically a little bit depressed. Um, you know, so so a lot of reasons, and I'm sure we'll probably get into that, but. Was born and raised in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, was you know played a variety of sports growing up. The sports were a huge, huge part of my life, and it was a little bit of a different era then when you know everything wasn't organized. You know, we we, we did a lot of things on our own, and you know my days typically consisted of competing in something, whether it was basketball or football or. You know, it very rarely was wrestling, to be quite honest with you. It was wiffle ball or step ball. Or Unless what, it was a scrap after a football game or something. And, and that happened a lot. <laughs> That's and that right. happened a lot, too. And I think you learn a lot from that. And I think, you know, you develop toughness and you develop leadership. And uh, there's a lot to be said for, for growing up in that era and, and where I did. So um, wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, but, yeah, went, uh, grew up in Erie, played football. In what position school. in football did you I was play? a running back, halfback. Run, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and played for a high school state championship football team out of Erie, uh, which was something I was really, you know, one of the, the fondest uh, memories of my life. It's a whole town gets involved. Whole and, yeah. community, whole town. First time it ever happened, last time it ever happened. 
uh, first team from that area to do that. So that was, you know, to me, looking back on my high school athletics career was probably the defining moment. And it doesn't have anything to do with the sport of wrestling is, is which is, which is, you know, basically, uh, occupied most of my time <laughs> for the last 30 years. So, um, went to Edinburgh, was a decent high school wrestler, uh, not a, not a great high school wrestler, ended up at Edinburgh, which for those of you that don't know anything about Edinburgh wrestling, uh, it's a fine division one wrestling school. It's division two and everything else, but, uh, was coached by a guy named Bruce Baumgartner, who was one of the greatest American uh, wrestlers ever. Best Olympic, heavyweight to ever do it, basically. Yeah, Olympic gold medalist, I think four-time Olympic medalist, uh, was the flag bearer for the United States at the 96th Something Olympic like Games. 11 or something, world Olympic medalist, something crazy, like 13 or something yeah, like that. An yeah, an incredible wrestling resume, and, and was lucky enough to be mentored and coached by him in college, uh, among some other people. But, um, you know, wrestled at Edinburgh and, and had a pretty decent career, but... Um, you know, currently I've been in, in Blacksburg for uh, 14 years after a couple coaching stints in West Virginia, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, at Binghamton and upstate New York. And like I said, I've been here for 14 years, been the head coach for three years and uh, I've been involved in the sport of wrestling for a long time. I've got three boys. I've got a 20 year old son, a 16 year old son and a 13 year old son. Yeah. Um, two of the three of those kids are wrestlers. So um, you know, obviously that's something that's, uh, exciting for me, but um, yeah, our 13 year olds are on opposite sides of a dual meet. Thankfully not the same weight class, but, uh, yeah, I've watched him go. He's, he's getting good. He's starting to get a little bit better. And, and it's the, the, the one nice thing about the quarantine is I've been able to spend a lot of time with him and his wrestling and, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's improving. I think he is. <laughs> so we'll find out next year, but uh, at any rate, you know, been married for, I've married my high school sweetheart. We, we met when we were 17 years old and have been together since. I, I turned 46 yesterday. So what's yeah. the math on that? It's a, birthday it's, during quarantine. Yeah. Co- coach said on his social media is like, it looks like everybody wants to wish you happy birthday. Nobody's got anything to do. Yeah. I, like I said, I didn't know if it was boredom or, or everybody's the <laughs> sincere isolation. affection yeah. for a coach. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of my background and, uh, you know, uh, Love being in Virginia, love being at Virginia Tech, and uh, certainly love to talk about wrestling and, and mental toughness. Yeah, Coach's uh, career almost overlaps my own perfectly. I think we're shifted by a year. I was 91 to 96. You were 92 to 97. 97. And actually wrestled a couple of my buddies. Um, beat them most of the time, but maybe lost. I'm not going to say that you lost to Chase because he'll feel good about himself. But um, same era, same kind of mentality wrestling and seeing seeing the same kind of guys that are all coaches now um in terms of wrestling you mentioned um a pretty decent high school wrestler but became a very successful you make the ncaa finals a uh, very successful college wrestler um how did that transition happen uh how did you get that good so fast i, I think part of it was just where i started coming into uh coming into colleges that i I had a lot of room to grow. You know, you see a lot of kids, I guess you call it upside, right? Yeah. And and uh, I, th- I had a lot of upside, whether they knew that or not, or whether <laughs> I knew that or not, I didn't probably know at that particular time. But um, like I mentioned before, I didn't commit a lot of time to wrestling growing up or in high school. It was it, it was definitely second fiddle to, to other things in my life, including football and, and just, you know, probably socializing and, and uh you know, a, a lot of things. So I, when I got to college and bought in and got around great people, um, I, it took off and I got better really fast. And, you know, I think it's powerful when, when you get to, when you get excited about something and you see yourself improving at a rapid rate, um, you, you really go all in on it. And I went all in on wrestling, um, in college and, and, uh, it paid off for me, but it took some time, you know, it took a little more time than I would have liked it to, but, at the end of the day, I think it's brought me to where I am, and it was it was obviously a positive experience for me. Yeah, you you mentioned when you start having some success, it kind of becomes a snowball. You you start liking it. I right. tell my kids this all the time. It's like, yeah, don't ever resent getting grades or somebody winning, someone losing. Something that in, in society today, it's like, oh, I make everybody a winner. Uh, success is a motivator, right? When you see some success in something, it really 
put something under you to want to keep continue forward. I started wrestling. Most of my college teammates, and you probably had the same experience, started wrestling when they were five years old or, you know, Pennsylvania. Of course, kids are wrestling coming out of the womb. Um, I started in seventh grade. Uh, and in fact, I barely made the team. And by that, I don't mean starter. I almost got cut. And so I was second string by the end of the year and felt good about it. And then I didn't make a team till eighth grade, got fourth place in the city of Virginia Beach. But then I just started to love it uh, and then just try to learn as much as I can. And that's a little bit of success, kind of like, well, I, I can do something with myself. And so it, it drives achievement, I think. Right. I think, I think when you fall in love with something and, and success, let's be honest. I mean, success is part of falling in love with something when you start having success um, and you see your hard work pay off. I think that's really powerful. And I think a lot of kids nowadays sometimes are on the other side of that. You know, they've, they've parents have teed things up for them their entire lives. Everything's a win all the time. Everything's a win. And parents work really hard to make sure they put their kids in the best position to, to be successful. They don't really understand failure. And then they get to a point in their careers athletically where things get really hard and yeah. mom and dad can't tee it up for you anymore. And you're starting to have some failure and, and how do you deal with that? And That's some right. kids don't deal with it well. And I think that'll get into, you know, our topic today yeah. in mental toughness. And, and can you persevere? Can you get through those hard times to get out to the other side of things? It certainly gets to our next guest for sure because we have a Roby-trained athlete uh, and Dresser probably as well, Kevin Dresser, who was also my high school junior national team coach. I have a lot of connections with these guys. Wrestling is kind of one big dysfunctional family with lots of overlaps. But we have with us a Roby-trained athlete who – uh, I watched you as a freshman. I think you took down like one of the best wrestlers in America that year, Kyle Snyder. Is that right? Did you? Is that your freshman year you took him down? Yeah, I took him down twice, actually. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we won't say what happened after that. But uh, Jared Haught is with us today. He's a two-time ACC champion, four-time NCAA qualifier, three-time All-American. This is like one of the best Hokies to ever do it, guys. We're privileged to have him today. As a senior, only the second Virginia Tech wrestler and the first West Virginia native to make it to a national final that he reached at 197 pounds in two. 2008 in Cleveland. So sixth place, fourth place, second place, and then Seattle Blaze. Jared, welcome to the Shed Quarters. Tell us a little, I heard you're married for a young guy. That's uh, unique probably in, in the story today. Yep. I got married uh, about a week or two after I graduated in 2018. So coming up on a three-year anniversary in the next week or two. Wow, congratulations. Uh, we'll do a we'll do a whole episode on how young married life is for athletes. That's always interesting. Did your was your wife an athlete at all or was she a civilian? Yeah, my wife was an athlete in kind of an unusual sport. She's a jump roper. Oh. So she actually uh competed a lot until probably college. That's when she kinda slowed down, but she had some world medals and uh, so a, yeah. not just a jump roper like a like a dominant worldwide success phenomenon jump roper yeah for like she's really fast so she had some speed and then uh speed events that her and her teammates had some records held that i think have been broken of course since then but right. um and then also some freestyle events where you do like some Individually, or is she double dutching that kind of all of it? Yeah, so most of it's individual. Okay. But just if you have a teammate, it's kind of like you have a routine where you guys are doing stunts together. Right. So you're doing flips and. Yeah, a bunch so, of so, so this is common. Wrestlers jump rope a lot. My kids are amazed that I actually can jump rope pretty decently. They're like, how would you learn to do that? I was like, well, I was seven over, six pounds over. You know, it's, it's jump. Does she, does she make fun of your jump roping technique? Not really. I mean, just because she makes fun of me if I try any of her tricks. <laughs> I can't do any of her tricks, but just jumping straight, that's fine because I can still jump normal. I just can't do any tricks that she does. You have higher jump roping street cred than most, so she's probably pretty pleased. So you're a mechanical engineering major. Are you planning to go into that field or is coaching your currently volunteer assistant coach at Virginia Tech is coaching the trajectory you'd like to stay on? So I kind of went into an engineering role once I graduated and or a supervision role and looked at other things in engineering and kind of really wasn't for me, at least this manufacturing position that I was in. They so, locked you in a small hole with a CAD program or something or actually, actually no, they did not. But I saw the engineers that were doing that and I knew that was kind of, that could have been my step. Your forward, destiny. Yeah. And I definitely did not want to be stuck to that. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad that I'm coaching. I've had a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Jared coaches the upper weights, I guess. And then when you're a younger coach, coaches like uh, Coach Roby and I age, we don't we don't get in there and bang with the 20 year olds that can power clean 250 and stuff. But you're still in there, probably going pretty hard, I would guess. Yeah, I practice every day with them and roll around with them, and uh, just almost like a, an extra practice partner for them to just show them the ways 
Yeah, a little, little better than the average uh, practice partner that's available. That's a wonderful thing staying around. Now, in terms of your involvement um, in the team, you're coaching mainly upper weights. Do you have any other responsibilities? I mainly coach, like you said, the upper weights. I'll help out some other guys. I did a lot of hand fighting and stuff, so I like to help out with some hand fighting and things with some lower guys too. And guys, listen out there, unfamiliar with wrestling. Hand fighting is not like thumb war. That's where you get in work for position. It's almost like an organized fist fight and very, very strenuous uh, work workout kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of people hate it, but uh, <laughs> I love it. I thought it was fun just grinding and battling in there. So I like to try to help other guys get better at that. And then I'm also big on just admissions and helping out, getting all the guys into school and helping them get their everything in. What they need, grades, test scores, all that. Fantastic. So you were a better than average student for the Hokies from what I can tell. Not everybody. I was an applied science major at UNC Chapel Hill, physics and computer science. And not all of our my teammates were doing that. So you were one of the guys doing actually real math class. You take differential equations to classes and stuff like that, right? Yeah, thermodynamics, yeah. all that stuff. And I think I graduated with maybe a three point three four. I was really hoping I could get that point zero six and get a three four, but <laughs> oh well, it's behind me now. My wife was a soccer player in college and graduated with like a three nine in chemistry, and she likes to one up me because I was like a three three and. and Really, really hard stuff, though. But uh, the competition doesn't end when you're when you're married to athletes. So my wife and I used to get go for runs together. We had to stop doing it, or at least stop doing it a certain way, because she 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 was a female soccer player, and they like to run next to each other if two people are running. And like I've never ran right shoulder to shoulder right next to somebody in my whole life. You either get in front or you get in back. And so we used to. She was like, "Stop running so fast! Like you're killing me. I don't want to run this fast. You just keep trying to pass me." Anyway, it's a mess. Well, mental toughness, <laughs> that's our topic today. I just wanted to start by asking both of you, uh, just to Coach Roby, you can go first, in terms of how would you define something? It's kind of nebulous, but how would you give a best couple sentences or a few paragraphs definition of what is mental toughness? First off, I think that's a great question. Um, it's something that in, in what we do for a living and in, in athletics that we talk about a lot and sometimes we don't do a great job of defining what it is. So uh, I think that you see what, what it's not. That's not it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that to, to sit and, and, and be, pose that question and have to think about it is important um, to me. Uh, you know, and, and I'm going to steal this from Nick Saban. I heard Nick Saban say this, but, you know, it's it's basically what does it take to break you? you know, uh. What does it take to break your will, to break your spirit? How get much you to quit, get you to quit in whatever it might be, you know, and I think it, it encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses uh, your ability to push yourself physically and, and be able to absorb physical pain, exhaustion that comes along with training, with working out. But there's also, you know, emotional toughness, which I consider mental toughness yeah. and being able to maintain your composure um, during tough, difficult times and be able to control your thoughts and control your emotions and um, be able to deal with adversity and persevere. So it, it's really a whole bunch of things uh, kind of wrapped up into one. And it's easy to, to pigeonhole it into just the physical, you know, kind of part of it. And, and in our sport, that's it's definitely a big part of what we do is how hard you can push yourself physically but um, there's a lot more to it than that. But so, you know, just to break it down in terms of being as simplistic as possible to me, you know, how much pressure, how much pain, how much um, can you absorb before you break in, in one of those areas? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and, and breaking happens in many ways because there's I've talked to my kids about this a lot, coach, where. Um, we're not just trying to fake it and hold things together. We're trying to be forged into a type of human being whose character and abilities can withstand difficulty so that we can do good things in the midst of it. Like I tell my kids like, Hey, if something hard happens in a family and I just lay down and disappear on everyone, well, they're like, well, you would never do that. I was like, well, why wouldn't die? Well, there's an aspect to life where you show up to the right things, maintain the right things. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to fake uh, strength. It just means you put things in the right places in the right times with people. And, and I love that aspect of um, because quitting isn't just quitting all things. It's also not bringing our best, right? There's times where we can just phone in life, and we see that with lots of folks and to be able to maintain a, a drive towards something in the midst of difficulty is, is rare today. 
Jared, would you add anything to that from your, your experience? Um, obviously your coach put you through workouts and, uh, made you, made you develop some of this perhaps. Uh, what, what else would you add to that? Yeah, I think, uh, mental toughness just for me is, um, just like a challenge that you got to be ready for. And, um, and I'm thinking physical again, but also in other aspects, you know, um, being mentally tough, you have a challenge or something in front of you that you have to be ready to attack and you want to push yourself to that breaking point and then try to increase it and increase it and increase it. And whenever we, like we said, we see people that are not mentally tough, it's easy to point out who's not mentally tough. And whenever you're not mentally tough, that just means that you break uh, very easily, very quickly. So, I mean, whenever it comes to doing some computer work or something, uh, goal may be like, I'm not going to get on my phone, you know, I'm going to complete this task. And then, you know, it gets hard, yeah, especially yeah. just thinking like phones nowadays, we're almost addicted to them, but I know I'm sitting there and in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to try to do this work until, um, I'm finished. Then maybe I'll grab my phone and, you know, sometimes I break and I pick up my phone and then I'm thinking back, right. you know, this is completely different. I'm, I can do the physical stuff. But some of this right here maintaining is, is focus on me. this assignment. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's just a challenge that you push yourself and um, being mentally tough is how far you can go until you break kind of similar to what Roby said. I love it that you guys brought the physical, obviously as wrestling coaches, but also the emotional and also the mental focus aspect. This is a, actually a, a website that I found guys, mental toughness, Um, I guess they do some consulting and training in this discipline, but, uh, they had a really good definition to hit some of the things you guys are, are talking about. It said mental toughness is the ability to resist, manage and overcome doubts, worries, concerns, circumstances that prevent you from succeeding or excelling at a task or towards an objective or a performance outcome that you set out to achieve, right? So it gets in that. I, I want to do this. There are many things that are going to come against me emotionally, mentally, physically. Can I traverse those? Can I stay in, right? Or am I going to, you know, bow out? And everybody bows out at some point in time. Uh, but that ability to stick to it, so to speak. Now, some people say, right? Um, people are born a certain way. Maybe some people are just born tough or maybe they grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, scrapping on the street. Um, maybe they're just made of a different kind of metal wrestlers. That's an interesting breed in itself. Um, others say that this is an area of life that can be developed or grown or changed, right? One example is the quote from a beginning of a book that I, you guys told me both. You're both familiar with this author and listen to him often. But this is from David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me, Master Your Mind and Defy the Odds. He says, don't worry. This is from the introduction. Don't worry. You are not alone. In every town, in every country, all of the world, millions roam the streets, dead-eyed zombies addicted to comfort, embracing a victim's mentality and unaware of their true potential. I know this because I meet and hear from them all the time and because just like you, I used to be one of them. So Goggins is obviously saying this can change. There can be development. Um, but how, how have you guys seen this in athletes? Do some folks seem to be made of a different sort of metal or personality or wiring more inborn or is, are you guys land more on the development side that this can be changed in people i think it's both you know i i don't really think that you can say it's it's completely one or the other um i, I think that some people just have that built into their dna um you know i've seen siblings uh that have come through you know, that I've coached or that I've been around and they were, had the same parents. They were raised the exact same, same way. environment, town, everything and wrestling one, room. <laughs> one is really tough and maybe one isn't quite as tough. Um, so you see that a lot and some of that might have to do with their drive to be successful, the success that their experiences that they've had individually in life. But, you know, I, I, I don't think you can simplify it down that much where it, it's just one or the other. I, I do think that some people are, are born and it's easier for them, right. right? Just like everything else, you know, you have a talent in that area. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with how you were raised and the circumstances that uh, you had to deal with growing up as a child. And, and I just look at my own children and, you know, they live a little bit of a cream puff lifestyle. <laughs> I tell my wife that. Yeah. I tell my wife that soft. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's hard to expect them yeah. to, to, to be... 
um, maybe as tough as some of the people that you were around growing up or because they, the, the experiences they're having are so much different. That being said, I, I certainly think it is something that can be developed and enhanced through uh, recognizing where number number one, understanding what it is. Okay. Yeah. Recognizing where you're weak because yeah. everybody's weak yeah. in certain areas. owning up to it. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to own it. And, and before you can change it, you have to own it. You have to be vulnerable. You have to admit to it. And then you have to work on changing it yeah. when you, when you recognize it coming. So um, as, as a coach, that's, that's part of what our job is. And in our sport, it's incredible. Mental toughness is incredibly, incredibly important, perhaps the most important thing to success in, in athletics, but particularly in the sport of wrestling for anybody that knows a lot about wrestling. Um, it's a battle of will. One-on-one, two highly trained athletes, and really who breaks mentally many times is going to be the one that loses. And it's a physical challenge. They're coming after you. They're not. I always laugh when I see soccer players fall down and hold their ankle. I was like, you don't ever do that in a wrestling match because then you give the other guy a knowledge, hey, he's hurt, I'm going to go get him. And so it's it's not a, a place where you you can mentally crumble and have any sort of success. In fact, it goes very bad for you in every way. Certainly, yeah. So so I do think, I, I definitely think it can be enhanced I think it takes, you know, it takes a concerted effort on the individual's part. It takes buy-in on the individual's part um, to 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 do the things necessary to enhance and develop that kind of mental toughness. And you know, I, like you know, Jared is one of the most mentally tough guys that I've ever been around. And I'll say this much: he he was much mentally tougher as a junior and senior in college than he was as a freshman. And not saying he was mentally. Right. Uh, wasn't mentally tough, but it was enhanced tenfold. And there's a lot of things that go into enhancing that. The biggest part to me was the work that he put in on a daily basis and the way he approached his craft um, to get to where he needed to be. That that alone, putting in that kind of work just builds toughness. You know, it makes quitting so much harder, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, you know you've made all these deposits towards something you care about. It's it's a lot harder to quit when you know you put it in, in to be honest, in success and what you might call failure in, in scare quotes. Um, when you know you've put in the work and you know you've invested in your craft and in yourself and your character and you fall short of things, it's even a different experience there because you know you put it in. Jared, uh, d- describe that pathway through college wrestling. Um, you, did you redshirt your fresh, true freshman year? Yes, I And then four years straight. Okay. Um, describe that pathway from freshman to senior year where you, you reached the pinnacle, you know, the, the very highest year in the finals of the national tournament. Um, what was that like and what are the, some of the things that you did to develop that? Yeah, I guess coming in, um, I was, I was, uh, I would consider myself mentally tough, but not, because you had a lot of success in high school, right? I, I had some decent success. Yeah. I mean, when it came to state uh, tournaments and stuff, I won three. Yeah. I was in the finals. When it came to more of the overall stuff, like I, I didn't place in Fargo until I was actually like in my summer going into college. So I was ranked maybe 15 or so in the nation. So it wasn't super high, but I had a, I had a drive. And I had a goal in mind. And I know my first year coming in, I definitely would get beat up by some guys definitely the older guys like right. I remember wrestling Austin Gable and even a guy named Chris Moon they were small he was smaller than me and they would still beat me up and it's kind of um it's kind of demoralizing you know a little bit whenever you're wrestling guys that are smaller freshman year in college wrestling is interesting because you know these good guys are coming in the room and the older guys want to beat you up so you don't get in your mind that you're going to be better than them or take their spot um, so you have to take some punishment before you learn to give it right exactly and then I guess just building on it and keeping that focus, keeping the goal. Because, I mean, if you have, like Roby said, if you have a purpose and, a, and you actually have a, a goal in mind, then it's much easier to be tough and to know what you're working for. And I don't, and again, kind of on the thing where like if you're born with it or if you're not, I mean, everybody's probably born with a certain amount of mental toughness, like, and how, as Roby said, some people have more than others. Yeah. But I mean, and you're not normally going to just flip a switch one day and be mentally tough. Right. You're going to have to build it up. So I know, like I said, I had, I was at probably maybe just say 50% when I first got here, which I still think 50% to me yeah. is still going to be a lot more to the average person. Right. And that's just, that's another, that's a different topic. I mean, that's another thing. If you think you're mentally tough, mm-hmm. 
you might be mentally tough to you, but look at someone down the road that's absolutely crushing something. You know, they're much more mentally tough than you. So when you when you think about that, it's like how much more do you have to give to right. be tougher? So I know just working that each year, trying to increase it, increase it, increase it, and trying to hit your breaking point each time, and then soon you almost find it hard to hit that breaking point it's hard to reach it you know this is something that everyone out there needs to know that we all are are not superman we all have breaking points we're all human um discuss the role of humility in developing this uh virtue as a human being um if you're if because sometimes you say middle toughness you you got to puff your chest out and walk around like you're unbeatable and kind of maybe tell lies to yourself about yourself what about humility how would that be something that would help you in a growth pattern or a growth mindset related to this discipline. Yeah, I think um, I think it's good. Like, I think to have maybe have like a, a little bit of pride, but also I know that if you have too much pride, then whenever you hit that point and you fail, then you're falling back on yourself, and it's going to be a little more devastating. So I know it's just. I mean, I was a, I believed in faith. I had faith. I was in FCA and athletes in action stuff too. So I knew that in my head. I have all these goals and stuff and everything. And I, I know I have a breaking point. I don't like to think about it, but I know I do. <laughs> I have one. Yeah. And I try not to show anybody that I have one. But also, I just I want everybody else to think, like in the room, for instance, a lot of this is physical, yeah. but that I'm, I'm nowhere close to my breaking point. Yeah. When in reality, I may be five minutes. Like, You're really tired. I'm <laughs> exhausted, but I just want them to think that, I'm ready to go for forever. And then ultimately I think if you show that, then they will break. But I know that if I do break, you know, then you should be almost, um, I don't want to say excited and glad that you broke, but if you hit a point that you actually made it to your breaking point and you know that next time you can make it farther, then I think it's okay. You just got to see why did I break? What happened? You learned something about yourself in the fire, so to speak. Exactly. Take some positives from it so that it doesn't happen again, which it's going to. You're always, you're always going to find a breaking point. And if you're not trying to reach that breaking point on a uh, common basis, or I guess not, maybe not every day, but at least uh, every couple of days, you're not trying to hit that breaking point, then you're not going to grow. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned the word proud uh, in English. We have various words, right? There's a pride. that's probably, I would say it's even wicked, which is a self consumption. You put yourself in the center of the universe and everybody else should be bow their lives to you. Arrogance, maybe we'd say. And then there's the kind of pride you have in your, in your own craft. You, like I care deeply about this or like we'd say, we're proud of our kids. Uh, we don't mean that they should be the center of the universe. We mean that their accomplishments and the discipline and the way they're going about life pleases me, so to speak. Um, whereas humility, you have to say, if I don't know something about myself, I can't change. Um, and a lot of people are unwilling to face that music, so to speak, or look at, look in the mirror. And so that's kind of hard, even with athletes, but in lots of areas in life, because a lot of kids won't even try, right? Because they don't want to look in the mirror. They're afraid of that. So fear keeps them paralyzed. They won't even step to becoming better at anything. Yeah. I think that um, being honest with yourself is incredibly important to developing in any area. And in order to be honest with yourself, you have to have humility and you have to be able to recognize where, where you're falling short. And we all have areas where we're falling short and we can get significantly better. Um, and, and being humble allows you to take stock of those areas and then and then hopefully go out and get the help you need find the help you need to improve in those areas that's right you know and if you're not if you don't have humility um you know that's that's a difficult thing to kind of see beyond yourself um and and some people definitely have that and in uh that's one of the great things about athletics i feel like is it's a very humbling um experience because things are going to go wrong and you're going to take losses for everybody for everybody (laughs) and and, and, you know so you have to stay humble uh if you want to maintain success in in what we do yeah it's uh if you take this area of mental fortitude mental toughness and if you notice in your life that at work i always crumble or i or i can't work hard for any sustained period of time um you can you can look at that and just say, oh, well, let me keep myself in a safe little space and never try. Or you can face it. 
or take inventory, take stock of it, uh, and then take a different path that might develop that. Now, this is going to be, for some of you guys out here, probably a strange discussion that's going to come now uh, because uh, in the wrestling world, all three of us know this, but it's it's kind of a lost um, a lost path in our society where you would actually choose pain. You would actually choose difficulty. You would actually put yourself in the line of these obstacles and suffering in order to achieve something else. That That's not very common today. Like to quote David Goggins again, how did he change? So I sought out pain, fell in love with suffering, and eventually transformed myself from the weakest piece of on the planet into the hardest man God ever created, or so I tell myself. What is this chosen path of pain, and why on earth would anyone do it? think um you know when, that, that's when, a navy seal guy talking to like okay it is but yeah. but it's it's addictive and i think that um once you get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and and there's a physical component to this certainly that you know when you can start to push yourself physically a little bit further every single day and you get to the point where you're starting to achieve things physically that you've never been able to achieve. Um, there is a certain uh, rewardingness, and that's probably not the best word, but uh, it, it really makes you feel good about yourself. And, you know, for us, we always talk about doing hard things, yeah. you know, making that's that's a yeah. David Goggins yeah. reference is, is we have tried to do something hard every single day. And when you have that mindset, um, you know, you're just willing to go out there and, and you know, challenge yourself and yeah. go for, you know, you start running and then all of a sudden, you know, with your seven, eight, nine miles into the thing and um, maybe maybe you've never run that far before. And it's, it's setting those benchmarks, achieving those benchmarks. Um, it, it builds confidence. It builds belief in yourself. It starts to put you on a path towards success and productivity. Yeah. It's, um, I had a friend the other day say he's gotten out of shape and needed some help or whatever. I was like, yeah, me too. Um, I was like, just, you know, take a long walk, do some push ups. He goes, well, what if I can't do a push up? I was like, well, get on your knees and do half a push up. And then next week, do one and then, and then build from there. Right. And so, look, obviously, we're all going to get old. You're going to experience this more as you get older. You don't, you, at least maybe you don't have a lot of pain. I have a lot of pain in certain areas of my body. I wrestled some high school kids and had tendonitis in my elbow for a month afterwards. We're, we're going to get old. Body's going to fail. We're going to die. Um, but yet, there's still a mental aspect to this, even in the physical training, where if I do one thing hard, um, why why do I believe that's a, a betterment to myself? Because that's a weird thing for a lot of people to think that, right? For average folks out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. Repeat that real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would I, why should someone think and believe that doing something hard is going to be good for them? I guess just um, after you complete something hard or something that you maybe in your mind thought this may not be possible. I know Goggins, he does some crazy things. Yeah, yeah, he's running um, ultra marathons and in the ice and all this stuff. That's that's crazy stuff. And, you know, um, the average person may not think that's possible. And then he proves it wrong and other people prove themselves wrong every day. So I think doing something hard um, just kind of makes you feel better all around because you're proving to yourself that you can do stuff that you may not think you can. It's kind of yeah. like uh, yeah. winning or any like any competitions or anything. It's like Roby said, addictive. It's, yeah. You want it. You want to get that feeling and you want to keep, get, keep reaching and finding that feeling Yeah, and you can take it. In the other There's time. a thing the Bible talks about called wisdom. When you see, like, I don't know any successful people at anything that don't have underneath what you see, the successful thing he's doing or she's doing. There's a lot underneath that. There was pain, suffering, failure, repetitive failure, getting back up, right? Wisdom is kind of accumulated in culture. And if you listen to people, you will find this. Hey, this was worth it because of the pain, the suffering, the difficulty. And so I don't know and haven't seen, I guess, any um, success in any area of life without this but yet it's resisted by so many. And I think a lot of those things that you just mentioned, it, uh, the, those are attributes of mental toughness, perseverance, being able to deal with failure, loss, uh, tragedy, 
Um, you know, when life's not perfect, and, and, and we're in a time right now where life is not perfect, yeah. there's so much uncertainty, um, there's, you know, a lot of stress that's, that's involved with that. Um, you know, being able to exercise mental toughness, emotional toughness, um, you know, in, in staying positive is critically, critically important in right. everything that you do. And it's so easy to go the opposite way. You know, naturally we want to, we want to make things easy for ourselves. We, you know, everybody has negative self-talk and everybody yeah. has these things that they have to overcome and they have to battle. And it's a, it's an ongoing constant daily battle. That's right. that you have to be ready for every single day to get to where you want to be, to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And, you know, ultimately, to, to have the kind of life that you yeah. want to have. Yeah. You know, it's um, obviously, guys, we're talking, I'm talking to two elite uh, accomplished athletes. That's a unique, very small percentage of society. But just to bring it down to the smallest of levels, um, some of us would struggle, right, to get to work on time. And in, in, in the world, right, if you, if you show up on time, do what's asked of you and do it to the best of your ability, you're, you're ahead of 90% probably of people you're going to work with. But at the same time, you may identify in your mode of humility, looking in the mirrors, taking stock. I can't get places on time. So what do you have to do? You have to do something hard for you in order to change that game around. Otherwise, you're just going to drift in the other direction. And life is that way. We drift into bad choices, difficult you know, mess that we create in ourselves if we don't choose to do the hard things. But it's hard. Tom Ryan, who's a guy that you guys all know, he's a head coach, a wrestling coach at um, Ohio State University, he has a book coming out. I'm really looking forward to it on May 17th. I believe the title is called Chosen Suffering. And Coach Ryan's story, obviously, is, is a, a redemptive story, a story of coming to faith, a high-level wrestler who had a child die. Which and I've done it in pastoral ministry, guys. I've done a lot of counseling, a lot of work with people over the years. And, and statistics show that one of the most devastating things to a life uh, to parents and to marriages, I'm all, the the number of folks that just don't make it after a child's died, it's almost it's it's an, it's a very high percentage. And so, um, obviously, through the sport of wrestling and through life experiences, uh, Coach Ryan's going to have something to say to us. I'm looking forward to reading that about this chosen suffering path. But speak a little bit about how you apply this. Obviously, in the wrestling room, if you're doing, you know, my high school coach used to have us do crawls, like leapfrogs, lame dogs and stuff until we die. And, and that was a big who was going to quit first and all that stuff. And you try to make it and, and don't don't give up and be the last one standing, so to speak. We know that in, in the athletic career. But in terms of life and family, family life, um, you, you mentioned your kids are growing up different than you. There's part of that that's, you know, maybe you, you have to bring an edge to them from somewhere else because they're not getting in, in them street, so to speak. But at the same time, you've given your kids a gift, right? Um, you know, I grew up with an alcoholic dad. Um, my kids aren't growing up with an alcoholic dad. Now, I, I developed some toughness because of that, but I'm going to have to give it to them in a different way because I don't want I don't want them to grow up with it. I grew up with it for any, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Um, so when you look at family, vocation or job, career, uh, just dealing with day-to-day stuff, how does this translate from, you know, obviously developing it through an athletic world or, or other developmental pathways? How do you apply this to, to life at home, life at the job? Um, how, do, how, do you, how do you translate that for people? I think just being disciplined in, in whatever you're doing as well. And that all falls into what we're talking about. But I know as a family, you can, uh, I mean, I'm a young family. I mean, I've only been married for three years. Right, I've right. Some struggles. The and, rookie in marriage. Yeah, but just some of the easy things. Just as in, I still like, fight with my wife over stupid things, so don't, don't worry. <laughs> but, but just like, you know, like putting away the dishes or something or cleaning dishes and, and doing cleaning. And those are some things that I just, I'm thinking of right now. And, it's just being disciplined that like when you do, let's say when you uh, use, use cook for your wife or whatever you do. And then when you're done, just go ahead and do the dishes yeah. and then it saves, yeah. it saves a lot of trouble, at least yeah. for me. So I'm guessing yeah. for other people it helped too, but yeah. And it's, it's hard. Like, it's not easy, like really, to do the dishes. I don't know why. It's, I mean, it is easy because <laughs> you just, don't want to. Just doing dishes, you just don't want to do it. But yeah. it's really not that hard to do. Right. But that's just one thing that's coming to mind. It's just being disciplined that whenever you're gonna. If you have something in mind that you're going to do, just do it. And then because your goal done, in that, right, is what I want my wife to experience love and service from me. And my end goal of having a decent marriage uh, should get into our heads of why we take the 
the chosen path of suffering with the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think, you know, and I, I've got a little bit of a unique perspective on this. I've got two of my three children are type one diabetics. So, you know, it, it presents a lot of challenges. Yeah. Constant. Right? It's constant. It never goes away. We, we get up in the middle of the night every single night to check their blood sugar, make corrections if necessary. So, I think, you know, for me personally, um, a lot of the things, and to me, it's like, it's just, we just deal with it. It's never even discussed. We don't look at it as a hardship. And and believe me, I mean, I know a lot of people have it a lot worse. Um, But nonetheless, there's a lot of people that that are in the same situation that we are that, you know, it's devastating to their lives. So I think some of the things that, that, personally for me that I've learned in athletics and I've learned through, you know, a lot of the, the being able to push yourself physically, um, you can, you understand that dealing with pain, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's lack of sleep, whether, whatever it might be, um, it's just comes with the territory and it's what's necessary to be successful, to have a happy family, to do what you need to do. It's, it's just part of life. That's right. And life isn't always going to be uh, sunshine and rainbows. And right. we, I'd like it to be. I think we'd all like it to be. And you know, we enjoy it when it is. But we also have to recognize and understand that there's going to be things that you don't want to do that you have to do. And it's just it, it's part of, uh, of, of God's challenges for yeah. us. And it's part of it. You know, it's, it's why we're here, too. Yeah. So there's a it's easy to say well of course we're going to do xyz because we love our family or something but we all know that's not always the case i mean i certainly experienced lots of things in family life that that are very difficult um but when you i think in all these things you have a a goal or something that you really desire um and then you you track it back you you might a lot of people call it reverse engineer it and say okay what is the and you ask wise people hey if you hey your kid i remember this one um you know i wanted to learn to be a dad and so i would go around asking anybody who i saw their kids remotely like them as a dad i just say hey man can i take you to coffee and like tell me what how do i get how do i do that my little baby's here what am i going to do and so uh learning from the wise reverse engineering that path saying and then that moves you right through uh, life and I think those kind of um, perspectives that come from outside ourselves or or, or that are forward ho- hope hope looks forward in the future and grabs hold of it right um, helps us to do those sufferings that come from our brokenness the brokenness of the world the sunshine and rainbows that don't come the re- re- repenting and recovering from the stupid stuff and the mistakes and learning from them right um, is all part of that that path. Now, um, one of the things that happened in, in my life, guys, is I was 20 years old. I became a Christian. I wasn't raised with that kind of perspective. And I was in, in science and math and things and began to look at the universe and had an athletes and action staff guy introduced me some things that I wasn't thinking about. Um, and one of the things I've noticed, um, both with, with God and with Jesus himself, is that not only is Jesus an example of this exact, exact same thing, uh, but also comes alongside us to take us forward. This is out of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. It says, therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so other people, wisdom, things like, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured a cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now, when I started reading stuff like that as a young man, I was like, wow, there's a, there's a been there, done that. Jesus has suffered way more than I ever had and, and, and is going to want to walk me, lead me into this thing in life. Um, I noticed, yeah, I had a perspective on Christians. Um, this has changed in wrestling. When I was, when Tony and I were coming through, a lot of the guys, like when I got, came on UNC's wrestling team, we didn't have a lot of guys that were walking strong with God. Now in the wrestling world, all the best wrestlers in America are like serious Christians. It's different. It's a shift. Um, but I was like, man, is that going to make me weak, right? If I if I follow Jesus, what does that mean? I follow myself. I take pride in myself. I'm, I'm about myself. But I realized, well, what if what if self isn't enough? 
Um, well, you can't just trust anybody. Who do you trust? And so what have you guys seen either in others or in yourselves of how faith or God or helps with this area of mental fortitude and how so? Yeah, I think uh, for me at least it helps me through some of the challenges. I There's a verse I like in Hebrews as well, and it's just for at the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but yeah. later yields a righteous fruit of or a peaceful fruit of righteousness by those who've been trained by it. And whenever I start getting things or doing things that are hard or things I don't want, I know that, um, that there's something that's going to be after this discipline. There's a reason I'm doing these things. And, you know, and I also believe, um, that God doesn't make mistakes and that there are some things that he puts in my life that I necessarily don't, uh, you know, I don't like at the beginning. Like, yeah. I know I um I lost in the national finals. That's kind of recent to me, yeah. and you know, it's and you beat that guy twice during the year. Not yeah. to remind you of that, but I mean, I've, yeah, I've beaten him twice. But you know, he got me that time. Yeah. And, you know, it was really tough then. But then also, I'm realizing that there's a lot to that, a lot more to that than just that match. That's helped yeah. me since then, and it still hurts. But I know yeah. that um going forward, that there's that was a challenge that was placed in my life. And I have to find a way through this challenge. And how am I going to find a way through it to be even better? Yeah, that's a point in your story of lots of things that have converged that God can use. But, you know, a lot of times in difficulty, people go negative, right? Yeah. Some some setback happens or something just takes us out of life and we don't move through it, right? And I think that's where we have to see purpose and suffering. I, I mean, I, I've I had a lot of friends when in, in my um, scientific discipline in college who were atheists. And they were like, what are you doing becoming a Christian? You know, um, But what they would always bring up to me was about how suffering was in, incongruous with God, right? Like, how can God love people if this happens? And it's a good question, right? It's a very good question, one that, that I've taken seriously and take seriously in my, with my friends. But I, I, I kind of saw that flipped. It's like, how could the, if this has no purpose, if it's random, meaningless, and nothingness, how can this have anything to relate it to my good? But what scripture says is that, no, this precisely, that point, that loss even, an injury my senior year, what is the bigger story of me becoming a man in this? Yeah, and I, I read something in John um, probably a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't tell you the verse exactly, but I believe uh, they were talking to a blind man, and they were asking, like, how could God do this to somebody? Yeah. And then he's like, well, you can't even understand God's, picture and what all he deals with and just kind of thinking that he has so much stuff and he's just trying to and also another thing it says just to to prove that he is he is in control and he can do whatever so yeah. i mean i'm humbled by folks that have like you said coach there's a lot of folks that have a lot worse than we do and i'm humbled uh by watching people traverse that and then seeing what comes out of it which i probably couldn't see you know i'd be yeah, I, uh, you know, one thing, and I was listening to a video the other day, and um, the guy was talking about whatever happens, you, you, looking at it, it's happening for you. It's not happening to you. Yeah, that's and, good. And, and kind of have that, that mindset of regardless what it is, um, it, it's happening for you. And God is making this happen for you. And sometimes it's hard to understand why, right? I yeah. think we all know that. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day... And I think this is what's helped a lot of athletes um, that that have found faith, have strong faith and strong belief in God, that it, it just allows them to compete and be free, free yeah. and, and, and go out there and, and just focus on doing their best. And uh, it alleviates pressure. It alleviates a lot of things yeah. um, that, that can be destructive to performance, especially yeah. in athletics. Like watching a Jason Knopf. You're like, that guy's free. He's free competing for something. Yeah, yeah. just going out and, and, and focusing on doing your best and, and, and having purpose behind it, too. It's it's not just about you. It's about yeah. much, much more than just Bigger. being about you. Yeah. And that's certainly something that I didn't understand when I was you know 22 years old yeah. and, and competing in college that um, you know it's become more commonplace place you, you see more athletes um that are doing it now in fact we i just put it a, a, a article in our team group me um it, it was it was it was basically about gratitude but it, it referenced a lot of uh the, our best wrestlers and i wish i could remember the name of it right now i can't remember the name of the article joe nord wrote it though okay. uh, who is a wrestler and and talked about you know just just giving uh quotes that these guys made after huge wins, after huge losses, you know, and it was, 
it was tremendous in terms of their the way they view things and it was always about from from a place of gratitude a place of faith and a place of you know deep faith in yeah. being a christian yeah the, there's recent neuroscientific research on gratitude i think i shared with this at a wrestling match in the stands uh christiansburg blacksburg match where neuroscientific evidence shows that gratitude changes the mind almost more than anything and now obviously that the question of why is that um, and who are we to be grateful for um, as, as a lot of, I shared this with some Brown university students in January about that really does point to something that this is a personal universe and someone to thank makes more sense out of that than having no one to thank or thanking quarks and leptons or, you know, space, time and energy. Thank the universe. I don't even know what that means, but um, in terms of uh, the, the reality that I love that coach, what is happening for me? Um, that changes everything, right? Because it takes you out of the seat of one being a victim, right? Oh, this happening to me, woes me, which is never a good place to move forward in life. Um, sometimes we have to acknowledge, Hey, this is hard. And I think I, one of the things guys, I want you to hear as we close up today, uh, we've all been in lots of wrestling rooms. This is not a pretty thing, right? Um, you develop the end product of mental toughness, but it comes through blood, sweat, and tears quite literally, and it happens through camaraderie alongside other other people. Jared Hott is not an island to himself because he's mentally tough. He developed this with other men, sharpen, iron sharpening iron as a team through difficulty. And I think when we realize something's happening for us, we can walk with each other through that. And when it's hard on somebody, man, when somebody is crumbling, I mean, we, we, we you didn't have to experience the old weight cutting rules that uh, the people died under, right? Um, um, believe me, I weighed 142 pounds for some milliseconds back in the day. Um, we never let that guy go alone, right? He's going into deep water, send somebody with him because he might, he might break, right? And so we're not trying to say we're supermen or you can become that at all. In fact, we're all very much men, men, human beings, broken, flawed. We have, weaknesses and we need to push forward with each other so that you know if you want to have a good marriage you're gonna to have to learn to sacrificially love and serve someone and they're gonna get on your nerves so you're gonna to have to repent and turn from your own sins and flaws in order to reconcile with people and if you think about this forgiveness itself means uh that something has been done wrong to me like if i'm going to have to forgive someone i have to absorb some suffering in other words, uh, if my wife does something evil to me, which she's done a few times, um, I, in order to forgive her, I have to be, I have to take it. I have to take it and say, okay, I'm going to offer you relationship back instead of just saying, I'm just going to judge and punish you for this. And this is one of the, the fascinating things about what Jesus did because he absorbed suffering in order to offer forgiveness. Uh, to us so that a uh, healthy relationship, that's mentally tough, man. I, I heard this years ago in a video. In fact, I didn't even know like Tom Brands had any faith commitment. I was watching this athletes in action video. He's like mental toughness. When I think about Jesus. He's kind of like a crazy person. We talk sometimes, but I was like, you know, I never thought of it that way. Uh, but, but you read passages like this and we'll close here for this is what you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin nor deceit found in his mouth. He was reviled, hated on, right? He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He bore our sins on the, in his own body on the tree that we might die to our own sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were like sheep straying, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So Christianity isn't a weak move in the world, but it's one of the uh, most humble moves of strength by God to lay down his own life for us, absorb suffering so that he could offer restored relationship and forgiveness. Guys, thanks so much for being with me today. This is a important topic. And certainly, uh, if you're struggling in these seasons, do bear each other's burdens, help each other out in these moments. So, you know, I've, I've had breaking moments where I'm worried about my business or worried about my future in the, in midnight, not being able to sleep, waking my wife up and say, Hey, pray for me. Cause I don't know how this thing's going to work out. Be there for your kids. Be there for each other as we walk forward. Tough guys are there for others. They're not just there for themselves. As we close to guys, how, how can people follow you? Do you, you guys on on the Twitter or anything or their websites we can follow we can all become hokey wrestling fans yeah you, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Roby wrestling that's r-o-b-i-e wrestling uh, you can also follow Virginia Tech wrestling at Hokies wrestling 
on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is also at Roby Wrestling. So I awesome. uh, would appreciate a follow. Uh, anytime we can turn somebody into a Virginia Tech wrestling fan, that's right. we're going to try to uh, jump and seize that moment and uh, hopefully get them on board. That's right. I'm a Tar Heel, but I'm a huge uh, Hokie wrestling fan. Rutgers as well. And I've got friends that are coaching. I follow Princeton a little bit now because of Sean Gray. But Coach, uh, Coach Hot, are you on these social media or are you disciplined putting your phone down and not on these things? You know I don't post much. I hardly ever post, but if you do want to follow me, I do retweet some things that I like here and there, and I'm just at People's Champ Zero. People's Champ, tell us about that real quick as we close. What does that mean? Are you the People's Champ? I don't don't know if I'm the People's (laughs) Champ. Or is that what Kyle Bratke named you? (laughs) Maybe. Actually, it was a friend of his, our friend in high school. They they were joking around and wrestled this kid that um, was at a different school, and they called him the People's Champ and all this, like joking around, and then... I beat him and you took the I, title. Exactly. I took the title and I never get on social media. So they made my Twitter for me. <laughs> so I've just used that one ever since. So that's how I got people's champ zero. He's definitely the people's champ in black. Hey, that's right. Champ. That's right. And in West Virginia, coach Roby, thank you for joining us. Coach hot, the people's champ. Glad to be with you. Both you men. One of the uh, things said to a field general long ago on a battlefield, be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change in the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. You guys can go review us on iTunes. Five stars are acceptable. We don't accept four stars. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are dialogue taking place on the borderlands between the church and culture. Hope to see you out there. Peace. Thanks, guys.